welcome back to the podcast. I'm Olivia, and this is Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, the podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. And it's been a hot minute since we've been back. I fully intended on releasing this episode around Coco's birthday because she's a good little purr kitty, and we're going to be talking about cats and a bit more about how they purr today. Um, she turned 16 a month ago now, but you know, better late than never. And also as a fun thing about this episode, I could not find the, uh, headphones or my earphones that I normally plug into my microphone. So I won't be hearing what the microphone is picking up until I go to edit. So we're just gonna hope the sound is fine. And we're hoping for the best today. As a fun little bonus, at the end of this episode, if you hang out through the credits, we'll put in a nice little fresh clip of Coco purrs for your enjoyment. I got a very nice recording of her purring yesterday, so it worked out quite nicely. Okay, so before we get into today's purring, if you remember all the way back to the beginning, we do already have an episode about cats purring. That's episode 13, Happy Kitty Vibes. And most of that episode ended up focusing about why cats purr and which cats purr, but not a whole lot about the how. At that point in time, there wasn't really... I wasn't satisfied with the amount of specific information that I could really find about it other than they just contract the muscles and purr. Um, so I did mention it, but it wasn't really a focus of that episode. But since that episode has aired, and part of the reason for this episode is that there was really just a recent uh, new publication about how cats purr. Back in the beginning of November, a brand spanking new study was published that reveals more information about how cats produce the purring sound. So that paper is largely what we're going to talk about and go through in this episode. So this might end up being a shorter one today, but that's okay. So at first, before we really get into the purring, a little bit of a refresher around some background on purring and cats and all that good stuff. Um, if you want to really get into it, um, I guess uh, go check out episode 13. I haven't listened back to it yet to know if it's a good one, but I know I remember talking about um, a lot more about the history of domestic cats and um, all that good stuff and more about the why cats purr. So it's a pretty good one. So first of all, Sparknotes version of that episode essentially, not all cats purr and the essentially the ability to purr is what divides the big cats or the roaring cats who are in subfamily Pantherini from the small cats who can purr and they're in felony. Not felony like the crime, like feline Yeah. Um, so the difference between cats that can purr and cats that cannot purr, um, there's a bone that 
kind of attaches around the uh, base of the tongue called the hyoid bone. And it's shaped a little bit differently in those two groups of cats. And that slight difference in shape is what makes the difference in whether um, a cat's going to purr or whether it's going to be able to roar. So the uh, cats included in the in the feline group, um, this is of course going to be our domestic cats that we are familiar with, um, but also our wild cats, bobcats, cheetahs, leopards, lynx, and even mountain lions are all some of the cats that can purr. So we do think of purring as a very house cat sort of thing sometimes. So whenever um, I think about mountain lions, I find it a little bit funny to think about just like a happy vibrating mountain lion. Um, just sitting there all content, purring away, because they're not very, they're, they're still pretty good-sized cats. They're not, like, they're not small. Um, and that's exactly what this purring noise is. Um, essentially, when a cat is happy and content or wants some comfort, it produces that vibrating sound, and um, that those vibrations produce that nice hum. Um, some cats are quiet purrs, and others, like Coco here, um, in a direct quote from her old vet, um, sound like little lawnmowers. Are you a lawnmower, Coco? She's ignoring me. So humans have had cats for pets for about 10,000 years and counting, and in all that time, we haven't quite figured out the mechanics behind the purr. For a few decades now, or at least since the 70s, we thought that it was purely active muscle contraction, and that's what I was attempting to explain in episode 13. So the active muscle contraction theory says that purring is produced by exactly that. There is nerve input coming from the brain that causes the vocal cords to contract and then relax, um, and it does so in a pattern that produces that vibrating noise. Clearly, nothing else happening just muscle contractions. However, the recently published paper by Herbst and colleagues um, explains that this is not entirely the case and the cat larynx can make purring sounds at purring frequency without any neural input whatsoever. So what they end up proposing is a model where purring happens as a result of both air passing through the larynx, which is what we refer to as the uh, kind of colloquially as the voice box, as well as some muscle contraction. So it's that combination of the muscles contracting in a particular way to kind of elicit the purring or to signal that we're going to purr and not just meow. And then that air passing through the larynx is going to be what... Um, contributes that vibration. So this was honestly a bit of a peculiar study. Um, so instead of using live cats to study purring in vivo, they just kind of got some larynxes from some cats. So it made it a bit of a strange paper to read and envision what it was doing, but um, have no worries. The um, cats that they received to be as a part of the study were um, donated from cat parents and the cats were all um, unfortunately euthanized as a result of um, some terminal illness that they had that did not affect the um, quality of their larynx. 
So um, the cat owners had full knowledge of the study that their cats were being donated to. So it's really the same sort of thing as people donating their bodies to science. It was just cats being donated for science. So what the researchers did is that they um, dissected out the larynx and just kind of pushed air through them um, at a few different pressures. And then they would record the sound frequencies that were produced as a result. So, with observing the larynxes so closely, they did make a couple of fun discoveries, and one of them is that these small cats, or the house cats, have pads on their vocal cords, and these are very similar to pads that larger cats have on their vocal cords, so this is likely going to be something common amongst all cats. In the big, warring cats, these pads help to produce some of the lower frequency sounds um, present in their um, vocalizations, and they do the same with cat purrs in the smaller cats. So these pads were always just referred to as pads, so I kind of envision them as just a bit of a nodule blob of tissue on the edge of the vocal cords, and they are made of a variety of tissues, but um, in essence, they are a layer of fatty tissue on the edge of the vocal cord, and Coco has just gone into some zooming. So if you hear the, I don't think the microphone will pick it up, but if you hear um, crashing around or the occasional meow, um, she's just having a, um, this might be a hyperthyroid moment. Um, so these pads aren't huge, but they are visible without a microscope about four millimeters, which for non-metric unit listeners, that's about a quarter an inch, a tad bit smaller, but right in that range. So when air is passed through the larynx and the, vo and the vocal cords vibrate, these pads help to slow down the vibrations, and that's going to assist in producing those lower frequency and therefore lower pitched sounds that are characteristic of purring. And that lowering of the pitch is important because one of their other observations was that just passing air through the larynx can produce a wide variety of frequencies and not just the low-pitched ones characteristic of a good purr. So those pads are going to help to lower those frequencies. Um, but something else here does have to be happening to regulate the sounds. As we all know, cats produce quite the variety of sounds. And if you own a cat, then you are probably um, uniquely aware of just how many different vocalizations a cat is capable of making. Um, thus, that would make the combination of this aerodynamic model, where the air passing through, making the vibrations, as well as the neural input, um, a little more accurate of an explanation of per production. So what would happen with this combination is that there is some input, input from the brain that is going to trigger the cat's vocal cords in a way that triggers a specific noise. So it might contract the muscles for meow, trills, good old scream, or in our case today, a purr. And then the air flowing through the vocal cords um, and flowing over those pads is going to produce that characteristic or the characteristic frequencies of your cat's purr. And um, also interestingly, with the um, quality of the sound, when a cat purrs, it's actually a very similar thing to when humans have vocal fry or use vocal fry um, as they're talking. So um, 
cats just have a little vocal fry going on as they're making their purrs. So with this combination of models with both the air flowing through and the um, contraction of the muscles, this actually makes um, the purring and other cat vocalization um, production pretty similar to how um, voice production works in people. So kind of makes sense. We would vertebrates tend to be pretty similar with these things. Um, the different vocal cords in our larynx, so again, our voice box, are controlled by different nerves. And the way that each of them contracts helps to control your voice and the different kinds of sounds you can make. So as you are vocalizing, pulses of air are going to pass through the larynx. And that air passing through is what helps to vibrate the vocal cords to produce the sound itself. So the muscle contraction is going to control the type of noise and the air coming through is going to um, cause the vibrations to produce the sound. So of course, there are always more investigations to be done, um, but that can be tricky with things that aren't human because partially ethics, but also you can't really, like cats don't really understand English. You can't really um, ask your cat to do something and then have it go, oh yes, I will just do the thing because I want to. So as other scientists have mentioned in their commentary on this paper, really until we can put live cats in an MRI machine and get them to purr on command, then um, we're really working, uh, the studies that we're getting to produce these models of how cats purr are going to be maybe as good as we can get. So adding this bit of the air passing through the larynx, um, this is actually probably a reasonably major breakthrough in per production studies. Um, so, I mean, we probably could get a bunch of ragdoll cats in on the study. I know with Coco, if you kind of even think about petting her, she already starts purring. And sounds like most ragdolls are pretty similar. Might not still purr in an MRI, but might be the best bet. Um, however, um, that idea sort of led to probably one of my favorite quotes I came across when researching for this podcast, which overall just kind of gives quite the mental image. So this quote was from a researcher that was interviewed for a live science article covering the new paper on purring. Um, I was originally thinking about paraphrasing it, but it doesn't really quite have the same vibe. So we're just going to give it to you and... Um, the sources are going to be in the description. I'll make sure to put them in there so you can check it out. So here's what he said. Uh, quote, theoretically, scientists could put a cat into a functional MRI machine and watch what happens in the brain as it purrs. But for that to work, the cat would need to be strapped down to remain completely still inside the scanner while being convinced to purr at the same time, which would be ethically problematic. End quote. And anyone that has owned a cat knows that convincing them to be still when they don't want to is a challenge itself. So along with being ethic eth ethically problematic, I think there's some logistical issues as well. So like we had to take Coco's blood pressure this year and um, because she is a cat and is squiggly, we had to redo it a couple of times because she just wouldn't want to stay still for it, would you Coco? I think now she's insulted I'm telling her secrets on the internet. Um, but anyways, 
it's always fun when new cat science comes out and even more fun when that science gives us more insight into how cats purr. We do love ourselves a good purr. So now when you uh, pet your cat at home as they purr contentedly, you can think about their wee little vocal cords with their wee little pads vibrating away as the air moves through. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We'll tune in next time. We're not going to have quite as long a break. I'm planning on um, bringing my podcasting microphone on vacation with me so we can just go ahead and get out another episode. So we'll be back in another couple weeks with Octopus Dreaming. Um, In the meantime, if you know anybody that wants to learn more about cat purrs, which we all know is everybody, then you can share this episode with them. They can find us pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, So places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, uh, Google Podcasts, pretty much wherever. Um, You can, they can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Instagram at Quirky Creepy Freaky Pod, and Facebook at Quirky Creepy and Freaky. So yeah, tune in next time. I think that's all the things. I didn't write down all my credits. So that's going to be all of the things. Um, Thank you to Dr. Kaylee Streit for creating the theme music to my podcast. And stay tuned. We will put in a little bit of Cocoa Purrs right at the end here. See you next time. Mm-hmm.